from the Drown Rat Studios. You're listening to the Justice Speaks Up podcast, coming to you from everywhere and nowhere. Tipping the scales of justice with untold stories of American families. And now, Justice Speaks Hi, this is Archer Sierra, and you're listening to the Justice Speaks Up podcast. I am on the phone with Don Collins, who is a mother of two beautiful autistic boys out of the state of Alabama. Don, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Archer, for having me. I appreciate it so much. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Well, in August, what was actually late July of 2012, I was rushed to the hospital for a suspected heart attack, but it turned out to be high cholesterol, and I paid their dad $500 up front to come and stay with them. I didn't leave until he got there. My uncle, the paramedic, and the telehealth nurse, the witnesses, but I waited till he got there and paid him uh, to stay with our children before I would go and get the medical attention that I needed. When I got home Sunday, August the 5th, it was around 11 o'clock that I was discharged. Approximately 2.35 p.m., there were two officers, Doug Camp and Adam Grantham. They came with a social worker named Megan Hallmark. I had just finished feeding and bathing my two little boys. And they kicked in the back door. My ADT alarm system went off. Scaring us half to death, I did have a tribal judge on the phone with me at the time, Judge Wood. And she was she had called to check on me to see how I was doing. These people claimed that my house was filthy. The only thing they could consider filthy was a few toys in the floor. My dishes were clean and left in the drain board. I had washed the pot, put them on the stove to dry out. I didn't have a dishwasher except by hand. Um, they told me to take my children outside after I got them dressed. Doug Kemp, who uh, was a police officer at the Sulacaga Police Department, said that he wanted to put, his, put my children in his police car and let the air conditioner on. I said, roll that window down so I can talk to my children. And they had taken a toy piece that they had grasped upon and took out the door with them. There are pictures posted of this because I took pictures myself. My children were clean in brand new clothes because the idea was I was going to take them to Walmart, buy them a new outfit, and buy them a new toy for being good while mommy was in the hospital. And I had just bought a new van uh, the week before I had been in the hospital. And the social worker grabbed my 
five keys off of the top of the refrigerator. I see her going out cycling all through my van. She had no right to do that without my permission. Well, that's two violations of illegal search and seizure without a warrant. Right. They violated my Fourth Amendment right. Now, all due to a prank phone call. Somebody, she said, it called and said that I had my children. How did she say it was? That I had my children locked in a room with a padlock? That never happened. Yes, I did have a padlock on a closet. Because of the fact that I had uh, equipment stored in there, computer equipment, as well as uh, a mirror to a dresser that had got burned in our other house that was being repaired. Now, hold on real quick. Just for everybody that's listening, I think it's important to point out just briefly... uh, what is your profession? At the time, I was an at-home paralegal still studying to get my law degree. I am now a tribal attorney. So and I represent people pro bono. I am also an ambassador for the Sokoki Nation for the state of Alabama. So it's not abnormal for parents who have autistic children in the home to lock electronics or devices like that or a large mirror that could be broken. This is not abnormal to lock these things away so the kids can't harm themselves, right? Right, and you have to keep your knives, uh, any kind of Tylenol or anything like that that you might take, you lock it up just like you would with normal children up when the child can get a hold of it. Cleaners, anything like that, you put it up where children can't get it. So, okay, so let's go back a minute. So she takes your keys and she's, you know, doing a legal search and seizure of your vehicle. What comes next? They start bringing out a box with my children's clothes in it putting it in the second police car of Adam Grant, and I said, what's going on? Why are you taking their clothes? And they said, what medications are they on? And I said, why did you need to know that? Where are their medications at? I said, they're in the thing with duct tape on the refrigerator, but their medications had to be refrigerated. And I had put strong duct tape on the refrigerator where they couldn't just go in there and get it and take it, you know, anytime they pleased. Because I would allow them to go and get them a bottle of water or a piece of cheese, something like that, or an orange, or an apple, things like that. But they go in there, they look in the butter container where you put your butter, and they got their medicine out. They put it into a bag, and they come out, and I'm trying to get my kids out of that car. They push me away. They never seatbelted my children. That's also in the photo. And uh, they said, well, removing your children. I said, on what grounds? They said, we got to report that your house is nasty, 
and that uh, you're not up to call to take care of him. I said, excuse me? I can go in there and get my paperwork where I just got out of the hospital. But I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. I hadn't even taken the bracelet off yet. Uh, that plastic jewelry, you know, that they put on you at the hospital. I said, you can call my doctor. I didn't even take the wheelchair. I walked out in the elevator uh, with the doctor. He knows I'm fine. So let's go into a minute here with how I think it's important people know that what how you ended up finding out who was the person who made these phone calls and that it was ended up being just an entire stranger that you'd never seen before in your life because again I know I say this many times it's a common thread that children are being taken out of their homes based on f- random phone calls of right. yeah they, they claimed it was a preacher I have never heard of, and this was on a Sunday now. He said his name, they said his, he said his name was Jim Jones. But you had never never seen him before? Never heard of him. Okay, so here's what I want to know. When you stated, I've never seen this man before, uh, what were their responses? They claimed that I called him begging for food. I had a receipt because I saved all of my receipts. I had been to Walmart just before I went to the hospital. I had a receipt where I had paid cash for food. Uh, It was $350 something dollars for food. Plus I had bought a new mop that was on that receipt. And they said that didn't prove anything. I said it ought to prove I didn't need food. You think I have plenty of food in my house. Now, you're an attorney. What exactly do you think about that statement? Well, the whole sham is a fraud 60D3, which is fraud upon the court. But it proves they are perjuring themselves and lying. Now, as an attorney... a Rule 51 into a Rule 52 from the very beginning. They have tried to give me no access to my children. They will not tell me what school, what grade, or anything that they're in. Uh, they've had staff. They've had lies and things like that. And my children have got caught telling me about it, and they weren't supposed to. And uh, I have taken photos of abuse, videos of abuse. They are in a basement 350 miles away so you tell me your opinion well i think there was no grounds to take your children away and that the basic constitutional right of search and seizure uh has been violated in in normal court you and i both know anything attained outside of a warrant is inadmissible in a court of law but family law seems to be running by its own set of rules and we're trying to use these cases and put these cases out into the spotlight to evaluate why that is occurring why are these court officers in family court relying so much upon hearsay and not listening to people who say 
I've never met this man, or the children who are stating, I'm being abused. Why is the abuse out of a child's mouth falling on false ears? This is an assault on the family unit in America, and nobody wants to talk about it. It's either nobody's talking about it or nobody's listening. And the reason we started this project is that 100% of the cases that we're putting on the podcast is they have exhausted their administrative remedies. They have gone to the state's attorney's office. Some of them have even gone as far as the U.S. Department of Justice, and they're not taking cases either. And it seems that no matter how high you go, there's no one who's you know willing to, for lack of a better term, spank these people's asses and saying, excuse me, you have a certain ethics that you need to uphold in here, and this is a court of law. It'll be respected, and you are not allowed to lie and falsify and withhold evidence. And your case is a very good example, and everyone who is listening, you need to know, I cannot express enough. If you have some type of stereotype in your mind of whose children are being taken, who these people are, if you think that they're just living on welfare, whatever stereotype you have in your head, you have to understand, these are sometimes upper middle class uh, individuals. These are small business owners in America. These are respectable people like Dawn in her community who are not uh, immune to this type of tyrannical behavior and this type of abuse of power. And this project is all about the children. The children are suffering. And Don. I would like you to talk a little bit because it's a little hard to stomach, but when you visited your children and when you spoke to your children while they've been in this foster care, uh, you have experienced and witnessed extreme abuse of your children, which has been covered up or fallen on deaf ears. And could you please talk a little bit about that? Yes, ma'am. Um, my older child, he is 14, and he thinks he's 11 and not supposed to turn 12 until he is back with me. My younger one is 11, almost 12. My older one that's 14 has lost hope. The younger one that's 11, almost 12, tells me they get beaten, 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 beaten the head. And I have honestly recorded phone conversations with my mom's cell phone where my older one has been beaten and I have seen gashes. Took pictures of it. Someone tore it down. Well, I have talked to him and he was told, you're going to call and he said, no, mommy's on the phone. And she said, no, mommy, no, mommy. You're too big to be saying mommy. He said, no, mommy's on the phone. I want to talk to mommy. And he would scream because my little boy that was on the phone would get silent, my youngest one. And I would say, what's going on now? They pulled rubbing alcohol on his back after beating the living daylight out of him. Uh, at one point, they were putting a Dr. Pepper bottle up his rear end. Uh, I have called congressmen. I have called the senator. I have called state representatives. I've called the governor. 
And the previous governor that left, Bentley, uh, told me to go to hell. And this new governor, KIV's office, has told me, oh, they would call the head of DH. I said, I've talked to these people. They said, well, we'll get, get them to get in touch with you again. That's two weeks ago. Nobody's contacted me. Yeah, here's the thing. To everyone who respects and holds their vote sacred, listen to these stories. And the next time you're in a voting booth, I highly encourage you to vote these people out of office. Even I intend to. Yes, but for our listeners, people listening to this podcast, Don, people need to vote these people out of office. They are failing their constituents, and they are failing to get hard and heavy on the Department of Social Services and these individuals. And to me, if you have been voted in by your constituents to sit in that seat and someone picks up the phone and tells you two autistic boys have been taken outside of due process and all of these violations and you're not willing to hold people accountable, if you're not willing to go in and fire people who are clearly violating the ethics of our court of law, and you do not want to do anything more than make a referral, then what is your purpose? Because your first priority is to the weakest people in our community. That is our children, first and foremost, top of your list, not What's happening with the sewer department, not how our roads are, not filling potholes, not sitting here and trying to create new laws. You have a responsibility to the children who are completely and utterly being abused and their human rights and their civil rights are being violated at the hand of corrupt individuals in our court system. This project is about family court and CPS reform. There are people, they are your constituents. They are crying out to you. Who are these people? Who's holding them accountable? And what are you doing? And your case is a very good example that even as an attorney, as a tribal lawyer, and we get, and this case gets into the fact that we haven't even talked about your children are tribal natives. And there are federal laws that state that those children need to remain with their heritage and be raised within their heritage. So this is an attack on the Native American ancestry. It's ancestral genocide is what it is. Now, again, I encourage anybody in these cases, go to justicespeaksup.us. If you want to have a voice and you want to throw in and you want to defend your honor, we believe in fair and balanced journalism. However, it is time to spark a international conversation about what is happening in our court system and what is happening to our children. It can no longer fall on deaf ears. The lack of action can no longer be. It is time to take action and it is time to go in and fire and hire new people. This is the problem that happens is when you get the same people in office for so long They become complacent. And I don't understand when even I myself am trying to call as an advocate for this project and I'm reporting and I'm reporting and nobody wants to do anything. 
it, it, to me, they just serve no purpose. I hate to say that. I really do. But I mean, what has been the case in um, Alabama? This is the worst state. So they are just walking in, taking children for no reason. Well, I hate to say it. This project for two and a half years has followed the money. And we have researched and many of the parents who are involved in these cases, they're smart individuals like yourself, Don. And they have gone and they have read all, everything that is public domain. And I can tell you, for the example, New York State receives $550 million a year to fund CPS, okay? And again, I'm not saying that there doesn't need to be an agency that can assist children who are truly, truly in need. What the big problem is, is that it's the lies and abuse of power. It's, you know, and then the interview I just did with another little boy who was tortured and murdered, somehow they failed him and they didn't want to take calls. But yet in Alabama, they can come in, kick your door in and take your kids and nobody wants to hold them accountable for their lies. So on one hand, you don't want to go investigate, but you're willing to go and fabricate lies to take kids so what is it? So if you're not defending the kids and actually taking action on the calls uh, for a little boy who's being, you know, tortured and eventually murdered, and but yet you're really, you know, fighting to go and take kids, you know, outside of due process, what is their point? There is literally like this whole a slew of services that Department of Social Services in every state is supposed to do. And it is like they go, okay, here you go. Here's your ability to go in and take kids. And it's all about family reunification. They're skipping over this whole center part of what they're funded for. And they're skipping down to adoption, which brings me to your point. Let's, for example, you went into the hospital, you come home, you're getting ready to take your kids on an outing to Walmart, and you have your door kicked in due process, constitutional rights violated. Next thing you know, your kids are being adopted out. Tell us what's going on with the adoption proceedings with your two little boys and how long it's been since you've seen them. I haven't seen them in almost nine months. But I did call yesterday and beg the social worker for a visit. I'm scheduled for one for June 1st. But I'm just working on trying to come up with the money. They are not going to adopt my children out. They said, uh, she read to me, but the goal plan is, is to put them into mental hospitals once they reach age. Okay, but here, okay, here's what fucking pisses me off about this whole process, Don. Where is your evidence to take these children away? Where is the hard physical evidence? There That's is none. There's none. That's what I'm begging for. <laughs> I've been begging five years for it. Now, if this doesn't piss people off, you have a serious problem. Because here's the thing. This could be any family in America. You go to the hospital, you go home, and within a few hours, you have cops knocking in your door and taking your kids. Next thing you know, you, you haven't seen them for, what, how many years haven't you seen yours? Uh, 
I mean, how long, when were they taken? On Sunday, August 5th, 2012. Yep, so there you go. And the next thing you know, you're witnessing, you know, your kids are in foster prisons. Yep, I sure said it, foster prisons. And their their jailers are federally funded liars. And nobody's holding them accountable. You have witnessed horrific abuse of your children. And when you uh, report it, nobody's doing anything. Now, does, does it strike anybody else odd about how this system is running here? Doesn't it seem even more disturbing that your elected officials are not going in and holding these people accountable or at least removing these children from these foster prisons where they are being held in basements and being forced to eat their own vomit. I mean, this is disturbing. These little boys were loved and they were taken out of a home with a mother who was clearly gainfully employed, clearly respected in her community, and yet even a respected tribal member in her community can have a random stranger show up on the stand, spew any shit out of his mouth that he wants to, and the next thing you know, these poor children are being thrown into the belly of hell. How is this justice for these children? How is this in the best interest of children? How is this in the best interest of American families? And if you're not advocating for this cause, trust and believe. You should go to sleep at night knowing you are not immune from this. The next time you go to the hospital, okay, you may want to wonder what's going to happen when you go home. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get people to start having a conversation about what is going on in America with these agencies and why this is being done. They are listening to a convicted sex offender as well. Tell us a little bit about him and who he is to your family. Uh, he is the storm daughter. They asked him if he wants the children, and he said, no, uh, he can't take care of them. They're better off where they are, and that he doesn't want me to have them. Okay, now, you're going to have to clarify that. Sperm donor okay. means? Uh, I used a turkey baster to conceive my children. Turkey baster. Don. Okay. Listeners, she's referring to artificial (laughs) insemination. (laughs) I was married to him. I helped him because he lied to me and claimed he was innocent in prison. I had connections at the parole board. And I did help him because I believed his story. But once he got out, he lost that jailhouse religion and everything. So he's a con artist. Imagine that. Exactly. And he put latches on the outside of the doors, kept us latched inside. He even abused me and my children until Friday, June 24th, 2011, when I had him arrested. Now, I had Now, it's important that we point out that you have to pay 
$130 round trip to get 350 miles away to see your children. And as a sidebar for a moment, she's been told she gets one more visit with her kids before they are adopted out, which is bullshit. And we're going to help you with that. And, uh, but yet this convicted sex offender, this abuser of these children is being paid for by the state to go and visit these boys, correct? Every single month. Is, and he's on stability because he's too ashamed to go to work because he has sex offender on his driver's license and it should be pedophile because a sex offender is somebody that that rapes an adult, not a child. The child was, uh, let's see, he started in on her at nine years old until she was 11. She had to have a complete hysterectomy because he tore her up inside. And I didn't know this until the night I had him arrested and went through his files uh, through LexisNexis and read the full case. Wow, social services. I applaud your shitty job in that decision making. So, And uh, an attempted murderer, he has his friend, is also telling lies, saying the kids look good because he might. My older little boy was chubby. He was chubby when he was with me. Yes, he was. He had baby fat on him. But we used to get out and we used to go to the park and play. And he was losing the weight because I had uh, him on that gluten-free diet. And now he is, so, they're both very skinny and look like skeletons meat stretched over them. Um... They look pitiful. They even put tubes in my baby's ears that he didn't need. He had sensitive hearing. Now he can hardly hear. Well, because he's autistic, and that's the other problem. Listeners, listen. The people that are making decisions about these autistic children are not autism experts. They do not know how to care for autistic children. And they are just Ponzi's that they are just, they're just faux autism advocates. And these children are having to go through procedures that are not necessary because they don't understand autism and the autism community should be rallying for these children and for creating resources for proper evaluation of these children and proper training of social workers and court officers and foster care agencies and their discernment in their placement techniques is not taking autism uh, into into consideration. These children need to be placed with people who know how to provide for these children because otherwise what happens is this is a good example. These kids have to go and have, you know, uh, tubes and stuff put in when really you just need to know how to communicate with the child and engage him in his commu- in his environment. Is that right, Dawn? Yes, ma'am. And the lady told me, the foster mother, she stated she had never been around an autistic child. But I told her I thanked her for taking in both of my boys and letting them be together because they are like twins. They have always stuck together. But there is now a wall in between them. They've gotten in trouble for making a hole in that wall so one can put their ear up there and the other can talk to the other. 
And it's just a program. This is all a program, people, called KFC, Kids for Cash. And if you don't think it can happen to you, it can. I promise you, keep your kids close. Don't let them even play outside alone. Keep your kids close. These people are the worst kind of child predators in our society. They get raped in foster care. They get beaten in foster care. And I live every day in fear that my children are going to get killed in foster care. I have nightmares at night that my children are going to get killed. My youngest one has ran away from the foster home to the interstate. He saw a sign and it said Springville and he thought he was coming all the way back here to Fulacaga where I live, 350 miles away, knocked on a door and thought it was my grandmother's house but she passed away because this gave her a heart attack of what happened to them. She died. The house sort of favored my grandmother's, from what I understand. The people called the police. They handed my child back over to the foster mother. They wouldn't have done that to me. They would have put my rear end in jail. Yeah, because you would have been rendered an irresponsible parent who lacked the ability to properly uh, provide locks and what is needed on a home with autistic children. And by the way, people, hold on, Don, 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 we got to tell people who aren't aware of autism, it is not abnormal for children who are on the, uh, the autism spectrum to wander. And this is another reason that social services not taking a child's disability into consideration when trying to make a proper placement is child endangerment. Uh, because this can happen. And and yet they still haven't done proper locks on the doors or an alarm I mean, system. Not. And she's had an ankle bracelet put on him uh, for tracking him. He bit it off. She's wanting a chip put under his skin. Well, first of all, he, he, first of all, your son's not an animal. Just because you are irresponsible as a caretaker and you are not accommodating the environment to provide with that, for that child what he needs, you don't treat him like a criminal or, or chip him like an animal. That just means that you are not qualified to be his caretaker. And the problem is, is that these people are just taking the money and yet somehow can't seem to afford to do the proper security for caring for these children. Then that makes you not a caretaker. That's right. I have been through all the mental evaluations that they wanted me to go through. I have done everything they wanted. I have passed everything. I even went through parenting classes. I have a certificate uh, from the Autism Society. And the last public pretender I had wanted me to lie because he spent two hours at the mental health center. They flat out told him, everyone that came in there, that we can't find nothing wrong with her except broken heart syndrome, like her doctor said. And 
upset because of missing her children. He wanted me to lie, and I still have the email to say I have a delusional dysfunction or dysfunctional delusion. And I said, that's perjury. Yeah, and then I mean, that's the thing. Me? That's no. the thing. These people have no. They treat a court transcript and their paperwork like their own guillotine. They want you. They don't mind lying and falsifying evidence. They don't mind telling people to lie in order and often leveraging access to their children in order to create a transcript that they can use to hold against you and damn you. And this is, this isn't how, this isn't how the law works. This isn't justice. This is something is so broken here. Something is so broken when a respected member like yourself, okay, can't get justice. Imagine the waitress who works midnight to six in the morning and goes home and fixes breakfast for her kids and puts them in school to go work another job while they're at school. Do you know what I'm saying? I've done that. When my 30-year-old, who will be 31 in June, I've done that. Yeah, families don't stand a chance against this, this, I'm just going to say it, it's a garbage disposal for children's souls. Honey, it's all KFC. Kids for cash. Well, we we have a lot of that evidence that we're going to be leaking. We've been very busy with, you know, finding you guys and, you know, recreating a lot of the evidence that was lost in January. And everybody's been so great in helping us do this. Um, but uh, we all know that these special needs kids are worth more in foster care. Uh, when they're special needs, you know, under Title IV funding. Right, and if they're on SSI disability like my children, and I went through attorneys to get it, yes, I did, because they are entitled to it. Um, They get that, plus the foster parents get bonuses, they get banquets, they get gifts, plus they get their payment. Uh, being a foster parent. Well, here's what I don't understand, okay? If you if you if they're so concerned about the well-being of these children and according to uh the funding and the social services plan of what appears to be a document that says what their services are supposed to provide to our community, why not spend that money to get some of the parents, which this does not apply to you, but there are some parents who just cannot financially make ends meet. Why not create a grant program where families can go and kick down some of that cash to reinforce the family unit in order to meet the needs and and fill the gaps that is causing DHS to say that you can't provide? Because if you read the documents, and we're going to be getting these up, and look, we're fully aware that we're fully behind, but you know, keep it again in mind again that not only do I do a podcast but seek funding for this, but I am on the phone, and Don can tell you, all day, every day with clients, I'm actively investigating at night. 
uh, trying to find runaways and, uh, you know, children that are in harm's way. Uh, I'm going 20 hours a day to not only locate these kids and, and advocate for these families and get funding because like your family and like the mother of Adrian, who I just got off the phone with, whose grandson was tortured and murdered, everybody needs a legal fund right now. And, and it's really not about the parents, guys. It's about the kids. So we're asking you, as you listen to these conversations, as you listen to these stories, head over to the GoFundMe. If you got a $20 bill in your pocket, we have $200 gift cards to send you. We are trying to build a fund for these parents and these children to come home. And even a dollar makes a difference. Invest in these kids. But trust me, you're doing more than that. You are investing in your future, your child's future, your grandchildren's future. Because if we don't address this issue and create a long-lasting solution and clean up these courts and remove these liars that are doing this to these families, all of us are at risk. All of us. Don, why don't you why don't you go into a little bit about tribal laws as it pertains to children and uh, what you and I have referred to as, you know, ancestral genocide. And I think a lot of people don't, well, not that they don't know, they might not be aware that there are federal laws to protect Native American children with remaining with their families and that what has occurred with your children is in violation of federal law. And can you explain a little bit more about that for people who might not know? Yes, ma'am. Under tribal law, under ICWA, Indian Child Welfare Act, uh, you are not, they are not supposed to place, and this is also in Anglo law, you are not supposed to place a child no more than 100 miles away from its family, race, culture, religion, relatives, or anything, and you are supposed to try to do family placement. Okay, I tried family placement twice. I just went to court again uh, Wednesday, April 26th, family placement. They turned it down with my mother and with my uncle. No valid reason was given, except they said my mother was too old. My mother just turned 70 foster mother is 77. She's African-American. She's Muslim. Um, she didn't know anything about my children. She doesn't know anything about their beliefs. I've tried to teach them. They did get in trouble for speaking their native language. They have basically forgotten it. Um... Oh, that, I'm I'm sorry to hear that, Don. Really, because it's already a dying language already. Oh yes, but I spoke it on them before it was born because it was over me. It was over my mom, and that's basically all my grandmother spoke. And if I didn't know it, I couldn't even have communicated with her. Now, the thing is about this is. Um, what have you done? Because you're advocating as an attorney, you you know, when you go pro se, it's it's a lot better than most people going pro se. I mean, you have legal knowledge. But 
I think it's important uh, to let people know with your particular case that uh, even you as an attorney who has the ability to draft a, 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 a very, you know, good um, motion to the court, you're not getting anywhere. Even you are not getting anywhere. And why do you think that is? Well, first, I did a brief. I sent out certified copies to the opposing attorney, which is the attorney for CPS. I had to send uh, five certified copies to the uh, appellate court. I won what's called a trial de novo, which means fresh new trial. They sent it back to the kangaroo court to the same judge, which I am trying to get recused. Okay, the uh, native court, um, the Six Nations and the Four Winds have sent in papers certified to the judge. He has done very wrong by laying it aside that he said no other court is going to have jurisdiction over him. That's wrong because for every it's the law you break. It's $250,000 times three plus mandatory five years in prison. So how many violations have occurred in your case so far? Oh my gosh, I can't even begin to count. Well, that's federal. That's federal. So have you, what is the senator of, um... What has the senator of Alabama said about this? Has he been advocating for the family? I have been sending email after email after email after email, calling and calling and calling. And his secretary assistant or whatever she is has stated, uh, he hasn't given me the email yet if he's interested. I said, well, every day he's going to get an email. He's going to get an email from me. I'm not going to stop. I don't care if he throws it in his uh, spam file. Did you he say that? Did you say that her response was, "If he's interested"? Yes, ma'am. You're the <laughs> senator. You don't have a choice. It's a federal law. I have contacted the governor. They uh, want me to talk to the supervisor of CPS. I done that, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. I even got down on my knees crying and begging. What more do you want me to do? She crossed her legs and just looked at me and said, I don't know. Just like that. And I was crying and crawling up and begging. Yeah, they... Are you a mother? Do you have children? And I found out, No. Wow. It's just a pleasure to torture other people. Yeah, it's, I have ran into a few of these, and a few, 95% of them are, have a very vindictive nature that I can tell that they enjoy what they are doing, I mean, to a point of being a pure sadist, and the few the few which is the five percent uh i have and just so you know guys we 
are hoping we're working on getting a few CPS workers that are currently employed with CPS to come on anonymously who are going to be telling you that they fear that if they come forward about the methods of CPS, they fear for their lives, they fear for their jobs because they won't be able to provide for their children, and worst, they fear that they will be retaliated against by social services, aka their former co-workers, coming and taking their kids. Now, if you don't think there's something broken, uh, you may want to reconsider. I know there is because there is a book out that I bought and I loaned it out. It's called Kidnapped. It's by somebody, Morales, and he's a former CPS worker. And it tells you everything. And I said, well, I can relate to this. I can relate to this. And he was telling the truth. They go and they get innocent children and put them in bad places. What? Why are they doing this? I have not read this book. I'm going to get it. And, and Don, just so you know, I'm going to try and hunt him down and uh, get him on the podcast. Uh, Mr. Morales, dear author, if you would like to come on and talk about your book, please contact me. Go to the justicespeaksup.us website. We would love to have you. Um, Don, here's the thing. Okay, you're an attorney. <laughs> And I'm an experienced investigator and journalist, okay? We are not naive to the court process, okay? Right. Here's the thing. Let's, let's step out of our parents' shoes for a minute and our advocates' shoes, and let's put our, our thinking caps on here for a second. Yes, ma'am. Motive. Yes, it's money. We get that, okay? But what doesn't make sense to me Social workers are not getting rich working as a social worker. They make a, just a small stipend. So what bothers me about this is that we actually have probably some of the nastiest souls in our community that are in charge of being able to walk up to anybody's door, kick it in, and take children. And there's something darker here than money and greed because I'm sorry there's not enough money that could pay me to go in and do this and you couple the basically the ransom the bounty on these children's heads along with the fact that nobody's getting rich that are the grunt works the actual people going out knocking doors and these are all just basic blue collar people who's really profiting here and what, why, why is no one stopping this? This doesn't make sense to me. There's something wrong here, uh, you know, that doesn't add up. And that's why we started this investigation. And I'm so glad we have people like you who are so versed. And I mean, you're kind of like the, the unicorn. You have, you know, your family alone has, you know, disability rights and, uh, autism rights and Native American rights. Uh, I mean, so, you know, I mean, I'm not going to babble anymore about it. I mean, what is your opinion of this? I mean, without just being flippant and saying, oh, it's all about the money. I mean, if we just keep saying it's all about the money, I mean, we're not maybe getting to the real root of the cause here. And that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to investigate and truly find out 
who is this I, massive group of em, government paid employees that are doing this? I read in that book, Kidnapped, that for each child they put in foster care, they get a bonus. And uh, after so many, I forget how ever many it was, 10 or 25, something like that, they get a big promotion and a big bonus. He said it made him so sick quit. Jesus Christ. And I think he is not an accountant. You think he's what? An accountant now. He's not a social worker anymore. He is, I think, I think he said he's an accountant. But I'm going to get, uh, find out uh, who I loaned that book to and get it back. And I would like to pass that on to you so you can read it because they go into places, nice homes, and take children. Uh, you can go, go uh, to people that build drugs and things like that. They pay the cops off. And they, in turn, deal with the CPS workers, and they won't go in and take their kids. They tell them nothing's going on here, you know, nothing's happening, you know, just go on. Don? Yes, ma'am. What you are describing is basically a federal funded child exploitation rink. Yes, people, I just did yeah. say it. I mean, you're an attorney. Am I off there? I mean,. I mean, again, we're doing this all under freedom of speech and hypothetical, and we're just two people with an opinion trying to break this shit down and figure out what the hell is happening to these kids. But I got sick and threw up all night. I read the book in one day. I got sick. I threw up. My mom read the book, and she only got halfway through it. She said, I can't read anymore. I can't read anymore. I said, it's true. Every bit of this is the truth. I'm just sitting here speechless. I am 51 years old, and I was so glad to see that somebody out there was writing the truth. Well, as you know, I've been very clear since January 24th. I've received a lot of retaliation. Uh, to cover this story and to speak just the how the hell I want to talk about this case because, yes, I, I cry and I get angry and I get frustrated and, yes, I'm refusing to do video content because, it, honestly, guys, I'm doing you a favor. If you saw how angry I get over some of these cases, you wouldn't oh, want to watch. People wouldn't want to watch. It's too hard to stomach. I mean, some of the evidence that we have, you know, here's the way I look at it, okay? And I just, I just have to say my piece for everybody's listening. I, I'm going to release some of the graphic videos and images that we have of some of this, but I'm not releasing everything. I'm keeping my powder dry for the uh, 
federal lawsuits that we're assisting and filing on behalf of these children and families. I'm keeping my powder dry for the United Nations to step in and have a call of action on behalf of these children who are being tortured and to help justice speaks up investigate these crimes against humanity. What has been can no longer be. And that is what we're trying to do. We're not trying to recreate the wheel. We're not trying to go in and slander anybody. Everything we say is backed up by fact and evidence. But if you think I'm leaking this online to where it would ever interfere with filing a, uh, a lawsuit or the ability to, to put a proper jury together, you're insane. I would rather wait and put out podcast after podcast for three years because you know what? I got nothing but patience because all this matters is the end game that we continue to compile these cases until somebody listens and it's time for everyone to listen. I mean, again, I can't say enough. No one in this community is immune. No one's immune, Don. no one. I know. I know. I have lived next door to people that have three children. They're dealing guns and drugs, and their children are running rampant even in the street. One of them isn't even two years old. You know, and I kept it for three days, and the mother didn't even know it was missing. I took care of it. I put clothes that belonged to my children on it. I bathed the child. I fed the child. She didn't even know he was missing and went off on vacation or somewhere for the whole weekend. When she came back, I said, are you missing something? What are you talking about? I said, your baby. Fuck. I could have reported her. I could have turned her in. But I did not. What the hell? I'm not that kind of person. Because I don't want nobody to go through what I have gone through. And it wouldn't have done any good if I had called. No, it wouldn't have. They would have paid him off. I know. Mm, man. Here's the thing that doesn't make sense either about your case, Don, is that... You were living in a single family home, which you were buying. You had a house fire. They came out. They refurbished the home. It passed inspection. So, again, you're a you're a single mom, a very good provider to these kids, and really stand in your own with two special needs kids in the home, which can be very expensive. I mean, com- I commend you, Don. You are holding it down, girl. You are holding it I'll down. But, playground in the but, backyard. They had a nice swing set and trampoline. I had a one of these five thousand dollars storage buildings. I had all uh, paid out to put old clothes and stuff in as they grew out of them, so I could donate them to other people and things like that. As people came along that had a need, so I could share. You know what, Don? You're getting to the point right now, which is this. For anybody who hasn't been through this, you guys, this is an attack on your parental dignity, your pride as a parent. And maybe pride isn't the the right word. It is truly dignity. That little center part of you that, that extends unconditional love 
and the that is proud of our children it's the same part of us that can look at our kids playing on the playground and go that's mine and oh every time you receive a compliment on how well mannered your child is it's that little core part of your soul that this shatters and breaks and what i was saying is that dawn was living in a beautiful home and the social worker came and pretty much forced Dawn to leave her home because told her that if she didn't move out of the home and move into what can only be considered a project, a housing project, that she would lose, hold on Dawn, that she would lose, that she would not get her kids back. Now here's the thing. Now, we are discussing an agency that is supposed to go in and evaluate a parent whether or not they can properly provide for a child, okay? And somehow that worker's discernment was to take her out of this home and put her into a project rather than saying, wow, okay, you're in a very good home and this is a place these children can return to. So here's the thing, okay? That is a mafia-style technique, which is to say... You're just going to up and leave your home. I'm coming in. I'm taking everything you got. Because at the end of the day, that's what she did. She wanted to create a, she wanted to sever you from your home in order to put you in a bad light and put you somewhere that you and I both know the court would frown upon. And that right there is abuse of power. This is a very good example of how they are literally leveraging access to a person's child to force them to make decisions for themselves and their family that even they know is not a good decision. Nobody in their right mind would give up a beautiful, newly refurbished single family home and move into a ghetto. And you were assaulted there many times, weren't you, Don? Yes, ma'am, I was. Tell us a little bit about it. The third day... Um, I was sodomized. I couldn't go outside to go across the street to the mailboxes. There were lots of boxes. You had to have a key to get your mail. There was always uh, people trying to attack me and fight me. And I always tried to say, hi, how are you? And introduce myself. I like to get along with everybody. I like to make friends everywhere. I'm not hard to get along with. And it got to the point I was having black eyes, uh, bruised arms, kicked in the leg. Finally, I was shot in the back of the left leg with a peloton. My mother had to remove it herself. Because every time the police would call up over there, I was accused of doing it, and I didn't do it. Because if I had called them, they wouldn't have shown up. Do you hear what you're saying, Don? Think about this. Remember I said we were going to start looking at this as an attorney and investigator? What you are describing is intimidation and fear tactics to where even a person will not even be, you know, able to go and get medical attention for fear. It will be used against them to harm their children. Now, again, anybody listening, 
who is involved with the United Nations, human rights advocates, child justice advocates. Are you listening now? Political activists, are you hearing what is being said? That's all I'm saying. We're just trying to start a conversation. I want everybody to take off the blinders and start really thinking about this agency. And even if you don't have kids and you don't give a fuck about what happens in your society, because maybe you make a... you live in a big fat house and you got, you know, your woman and you got your friends and you go down to golf and you got the perfect car and you never want to have kids. Get in your pocket. One state, New York, $550 million a year. You don't have to be a parent or ad- advocate for children or even ever. Matter of fact, you can completely dislike children. Okay. But the fact that th- that much of your tax dollars is funding the destruction of these people, that should concern you. You should care because I do not approve of tax dollars to fund anything that is happening to these families and these children. And it is time that we all take a stand and we start knocking on doors. I want everybody, everybody that's listening to this, call the governor's office of Alabama and talk about Dawn's case. Her name is Dawn Collins. Call and advocate for these kids. This is Native American rights. This is due process. This is autism rights. Just about every freaking activist organization applies to Dawn's case. Do you know the number offhand to the uh, uh, Alabama, uh, your senator and your uh, governor? And that's a representative at the governor's office? Yes, ma'am. Anybody listening to this, okay, even if you don't even want to donate a quarter to assist with Don's legal fund to help, because you have to understand, a lot of these people have been financially broke to fight for these kids. Whatever little nest eggs they had or college funds they had set aside for these kids, it's all gone. The money has gone to the corrupt individuals who use lies and bullshit to sever these children from their families in order to get and tap into the Title II funding and everything you're hearing, or as Don likes to say, the kids for cash. And this is what we're, we're investigating, okay? And again, anyone from the governor's office, anyone from the senator's office of Alabama, please call me. Go to the justicespeaksup.us site. Contact us. If you are an advocate in the state of Alabama or anywhere in the U.S. or around the world, contact us. We want to hear from you. We want everyone to throw in 
to this conversation. And if you have uh, documents or any kind of information that can move this project along and or you have the ability uh, in your network to get someone on the phone with me to discuss uh, how the UN is willing to advocate for human rights in the United States for these children and these families, please let me know. And please know, if you think the podcast is everything that we got, you're wrong. We have all of these documents, which is the evidence for every podcast you hear. So as we get 10 podcasts along, 20 podcasts along, know this, at the time the hard drives were taken from my home in January 17th, I had 9,624 cases. My staff of advocates are working on helping me recreate all the evidence. And that is why we did this podcast, because it is out. It is digital. It is in the air. It is universal. And we want people to talk to us. We are not sitting here trying to be rebels and talk poorly about people. This is a legitimate, open source, investigative journalism project. And our goal is to uh, identify and recover and offer aftercare and legal services and advocacy to these families. And it's a very serious topic. So, Don, is there anything significant that we can do for you or that um, you would like to let people know? There is a public webpage up where people can go and they can see the photos, the videos as evidence. The page is called Bring Dawn Adelaide A-D-A-L-E-H-A, Collins, C-U-L-L-I-N-S, Children Home. Bring Dawn Adelaide Collins Children Home. It's public. It's on Facebook. You know what? We put on there. I'm sorry. We will put a link to that into the blog post. Uh, so, you. yep, we just try to put everything into the blog, uh, so it's easy to find. If you go to justicespeaksup.us, all of the links to her information, her family pictures, and all of that, and we do that because Dawn's protected as a journalism source. And it's easy uh, because we have so many uh, podcast interviews. If you go there, um, you know, it's easy to find and archive everything in one place. Because uh, you, you should also know um, Dawn has volunteered to come on as a, a legal uh, uh, advocate for Justice Speaks Up. And we're going to be including her case in our class action uh, civil rights lawsuit. And uh, so there is a good amount of any pro bono hours that attorneys can advocate towards this cause. We'd love to help you. But in the meantime, we're raising funding because this is going to be an expensive battle. I do not see that we are going to be in and out. Do you, Don? That is correct. And if I can help anybody out there, I'm more than willing. I want to see you get your children back as well. Well, I know we're very thankful for you coming and and allocating your pro bono and volunteer hours towards this cause. I mean, we're really proud to have you. And again, uh, 
Don's if you go to the justicespeaksup.us site, you go to team, you can contact Dawn. Um, she pretty, she's pretty much swamped with trying to work on getting the, um, the, the brief, right? Is it a brief or is it a motion? It's a brief first, right? Thank you. Sometimes I get that mixed up. Uh, she, she's putting, <laughs> she's putting together the brief for the class action lawsuit. And we are looking for people who would like to join in, uh, because somebody has got to do something. And, uh, the, uh, it just seems to me that each of these individuals alone can't do this. And the only way that they can financially afford it, well, I mean, it's like an army, right? I mean, if you go and take off out after a, a big giant by yourself, you know, it's like fighting him with a toothpick. But, you know, eventually you get 10,000 toothpicks around him, you know, you might prick his heel. <laughs> so here we go, Don. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, ma'am. All right. On that note, Don. Uh, we'll have you on again. Everybody should look forward uh, to Dawn. Uh, she's going to be jumping in as a guest blogger. She'll be writing uh, and contributing on Native American and autism rights from a legal aspect um, and anything else that she might think is pertinent. Um, because, again, when you talk to me, you're talking to me as a as a media strategist, a, an investigator, a, a journalist. But uh, Dawn has knowledge that I don't have, and so I often rely on her uh, uh, legal mind um, to properly advocate. Uh, so I'm the last person to say I know everything, but what I'm good at is getting all the people to the table that matter and have, uh, you know, more knowledge than I do. Because um, trust me, I- I'm pushing really hard to be the most stupid person in the room, Don. <laughs> That's my goal. I want to be the, the the stupidest person in the room. When I... When when you can sit me in the corner and put a dunce cap on me, I will consider myself successful. You sound like me. <laughs> All right, Don. Oh, we get on heavy topics. So let's let's end it with a smile. And um, thank you, Don, and everybody. We'll be putting up uh, another podcast here soon. We're just pushing these all out over the next week and breaking all the rules. That one one podcast a week thing doesn't apply to us. We just kind of do our own thing over here. It's apparently somebody said we're a little bit rebellious, Don. I can't imagine where they got that from. <laughs> Join the rebellion at justicespeaksup.us. Thanks, everybody. Peace and have a good day. This has been brought to you by Drown Rat Productions. Remember, we are everywhere and nowhere.